Welcome into the Wednesday Bible Study uh, here at the Rick and Bubba Broadcast Plaza and Teleport. Uh, I'm Rick Burgess. Thanks for being with us. If you're new to the Wednesday Bible Study, maybe somebody sent this to you. Maybe somebody said, hey, uh, let me introduce you to a new Bible study. We're here almost every Wednesday. Uh, we go live on the Rick and Bubba YouTube channel at 12 o'clock Central Time. Uh, and then we archive soon after to this YouTube channel if you're watching it. Uh, if you're listening... Uh, to uh, podcast archives. Uh, we provide those links on all the Rick and Bubba social media platforms, and uh, we put those out. And you can also go back to BurgessMinistries.com and click on Listen, and you can just listen to the audio only of the archives. We just finished a series called The Unsaved Christian. Uh, man, it was, a, it was a great series. If you missed that and you'd like to go back and uh, watch it, you can on our YouTube channel by clicking on Playlist. It'll come down. You'll see all the different sessions from the Unsaved Christian. If you are okay with audio only, just go to BurgessMinistries.com, click on Listen, and it's there. So today and then uh, one week from today, this is August 19th when we're recording this or we're live, uh, we'll go today and then we'll go next Wednesday, and these will be standalone Bible studies, meaning they're not part of a series. But starting on September the 2nd, uh, we will start uh, a word-by-word expository uh, walk through First and Second Peter. Uh, so if you want to be part of that, make plans. Uh, you know, our, my home church uh, in Birmingham, Alabama is called Shades Mountain Baptist Church. Uh, we do uh, the Man Church Discipleship Strategy. It started there that you can find at themanchurch.com. If you'd like to watch uh, a Man Church service and how we plug people into to the small groups uh, on August 30th, uh, if you'll simply go to shades.org slash live at 6 p.m. Uh, Central Time on August the 30th, you can watch a virtual man church service. Our focus that night uh, will be uh, spiritual leadership. We, we throw this around a lot with men. Be the spiritual leader. You need to be the spiritual leader. We're lacking spiritual leadership. What does that actually look like? How did, what's the application of this so-called spiritual leadership? Uh, from themanchurch.com, our very own Andy Blanks. Uh, he and I co-wrote uh, How to Be a Man, The Pursuit of Christ-Centered Masculinity. He also wrote uh, the How to Be a Man Devotional Part 2, which is uh, looking at the example of real men of the Bible. He'll be our speaker. Uh, Michael Adler, along with uh, Riggs Taylor uh, from my home church, uh, will be providing uh, praise and worship for us. I'll be on there making some announcements. We'll have a testimony from one of the men uh, at, at my home church, and then I'll show you how to plug in to all of the different Bible studies that we have available, including this one, which will be First and Second Peter starting on September the 2nd. Uh, also, if you're uh, catching this, uh, the week that it's actually being done, August 19th is the day that I am talking right now. Uh, this weekend, a Gridiron Men's Conference is in Huntsville, Alabama at the Von Brown Center. Center will be at the Probst Arena. Uh, and if you don't have tickets to that, I think they're still available at gridironmen.com. I'll join David Jeremiah, Steve Farrar. You know, Steve Farrar is the dean of men's ministry, uh, one of my great mentors. We've studied some of his materials on the Wednesday Bible study, he'll be speaking. Uh, Michael W. Smith will be in concert. Charles Billingsley leading worship. Uh, Josh Ravis will be also speaking. Pastor uh, that uh, is, if you haven't heard him, he's a great man of God. Uh, and also, Steve, uh, uh, of course, um, uh, we'll have Phil Waldrop speaking, I should say as well, because it's Phil Waldrop's ministry that puts on the gridiron. And I'll be speaking also this coming Saturday. So excited about that. And if you go to themanchurch.com, uh, we have the discipleship strategy, but look at this. We've got brand new apparel and gear. Uh, Be a man, follow Jesus. That's kind of the trucker hat. We've got Luke uh, 9.23, deny yourself, 
pick up your cross. We've got deny yourself shirt. We've got be a man, follow Jesus, some different styles of that shirt. Uh, all these are available at themanchurch.com. Uh, just click on the store and you can find them. So I uh, want to show you that, that new, we'll have those debuted this weekend at Gridiron Men's Conference too. But if you just like to grab those wherever you are and, and wear those, man, we'd love to see men all over this country uh, talking about denying themselves and following Jesus and also looking to Jesus as the only example of how to truly be a man. So let's pray and we'll jump into this standalone Bible study today asking the question, why do we suffer? Uh, does the Bible answer the question, why do we suffer? So let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, there is uh, any time that we gather, and I know the times that we're living in, there's much chaos, there's much anxiety, there's much fear, uh, there's suffering of every kind uh, that is going on, uh, and these are the times that we turn to you, I hope, uh, for the answers. And you know what? We find them. We find them. And help us today, Lord, as we unpack this, this important question uh, that, that, it, that stands before people uh, it seems like almost daily, uh, and the adversary has used this question many times to turn people away from you. So today, Lord, may we hear directly from the, 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 the sole source of all things, and that's you and your divine word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So that is our question. Uh, this Bible study, maybe it's one you can share and, and send to people who are hurting, because uh, the question, why do we suffer? And then the, the bigger question, does God ever answer the question, why do we suffer? The answer is yes. Yes, he does. And we're going to walk through it today. I mean, when we're done today, I, I hope that, that God has shown himself to you and shown himself to you. And certainly he has to me. And he's been showing me this uh, for the last 12 years, especially. Uh, now, you know, the, the earthly death of, of my youngest son has certainly been, uh, you know, uh, something that we've suffered through and continue to suffer through. It's not the only thing that we've suffered through. Uh, you know, sometimes you turn around and you think to yourself, will the suffering ever stop? It seems like there's one thing and after another. And uh, those of you that are watching and listening this around the world during this pandemic and, and uncertainty and violence and rage and destruction, uh, uh, there's a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And there's people who are suffering. Some of you have lost loved ones to this pandemic. You know, why did that happen? Uh, you know, why, why, why do these things happen? And, and I think sometimes uh, we, we tend to just kind of uh, throw out a phrase, well, you know, sometimes we just don't know why. Now, now th there's some truth to the fact that we may not know every single detail of why we suffer, but to say there's no answer to the question, why do we suffer, is just incorrect. Uh, that's bad theology. It's, it's, it's lazy, uh, and, and, and it's really not pursuing, you know, God for the answers that he has already provided. Now, uh, I'm going to take you through some of that uh, today, and I hope that you find it helpful. So let's start off, first of all, with one that we want to do away with. Uh, you hear sometimes this, this ridiculous uh, uh, phrase, why do bad things happen to good people? Rick, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, bad things do not happen to good people because there are no good people. Now, the Bible makes this very clear in the book of Romans. It, it makes it clear many places, but... I'm going to try for our time to just hit you with some highlights on these answers today. First of all, there are no good people who suffer because good people compared to a holy God do not exist. You'll see another example of this when we wrap up today uh, in the, in the uh, documentation of Job's suffering. But first of all, let's go to the book of Romans. If you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, let's go to Romans 
chapter 3, uh, verses 10 through 12. And uh, here is Paul uh, making this point to us very clear. Uh, and he's actually going to Psalms 141, uh, Psalms 59, uh, Psalms 140. Uh, and he's, he's, he's referencing these Psalms when he says this in Romans chapter 3, no, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one truly seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Okay, so there's no one who really, not compared to God. God, God is perfect. God is holy. And I can tell you this in my own life. The suffering that, that God has allowed, and he does allow it because if you don't believe that he allows it, then you have to believe that he can't stop it. Some of these uh, principles we've talked about in various Bible studies, but I want to take this standalone Bible study uh, in this moment that God has provided. I want to do one Bible study that is about nothing but this. So some of these things you may have heard me mention in other Bible studies, but right now in this one, you're going to have them all in one Bible study. Okay, so you don't have to search around. I remember one time when, when he said something out of the Bible, and I remember it was this other thing. If you want a Bible study that answers the question, why do we suffer, it'll all be right here in this one. Okay, so first of all, uh, when I look at my life, I am not shocked by how many bad things have happened to me. I'm not. I'm a wretched man. What I'm more surprised by is the grace that I've been afforded because of the things that God has, has allowed to happen to me, he has every right because of his perfection, because of his holiness, and because of my wretched sinfulness, I can't believe worse things haven't happened to me. And they might uh, before I, I stand in his presence. But I know that he is justified in his perfection and in my rebellion that he can allow anything to happen to me that he wants to. And I, and I tell you what I don't deserve. I don't deserve his grace. I deserve his wrath, and I don't deserve his grace. So his grace is what is miraculous and, and, and causes me to stop and wonder, wow, I'm amazed at your grace. Grace, I'm not amazed at your wrath. I expect it. The wrath you hand down is actually seems more consistent than the grace that you afford. So there are no good people. So bad things don't happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. And so that leads us to one of the reasons uh, that we suffer. And one of the reasons that we suffer is because of sin. That's one of the reasons, hey, hey, Rick, why do we suffer? Hey, God, why do we suffer? I'll tell you why, because we're, we sin. Uh, you know, I, 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 dealing with men's ministry, you see this quite a bit, that every time men do something stupid and men are caught in some kind of uh, sexual sin or uh, you see a man who's maybe in ministry and something happens and, you, and, and some secret sin of his is exposed, it, it doesn't take long till they begin to compare themselves to David. Uh, you've probably seen this a lot. Well, you know, Rick, you, you remember, you know, David is a man after God's own heart. And, you know, I think about the story of David and, you know, David is even in the lineage of, of, of Jesus. And, and I think about David. I'm, I'm a lot like David. You know, first of all, wow, what a statement to compare yourself to David. But I will say this, if you want to take that and say, I think because of what I've done and the sin that I've committed, you know, I kind of think of myself kind of like David. Well, let's see what really happened to David. Uh, because this would, have to, this would have to be part of it as well. So we know that David committed a horrible sin with Bathsheba, and, and we've covered that, and, and, and you, you might be aware of that. If not, David uh, took another man's wife uh, when he already had not just one wife, but wives, which he wasn't supposed to do either. But, but he has wives. He takes a, another man's wife, 
uh, he commits adultery with her. He has the man eventually killed by enemies of God, the Amorites. And so he is trying to get away with this. He's gotten her pregnant. And then he has Nathan, uh, who comes to him from God and holds him accountable about the sin. And, and you know, some of you may know the story. Nathan gives the analogy about the poor man with one lamb and the rich man with many sheep. And the rich man takes the one lamb instead of giving one of his own to his guest and kills that man's sheep and serves it to his guest. And David becomes enraged and says, you know, this man should be dealt with harshly and da-da-da-da. And Nathan says, what? You are that man. Okay, so you may be familiar with this in, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Write that down, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Uh, starting in verse 7, Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. Saul tried to kill David, in case you didn't know that. And I gave your master, I gave you your master's house, your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add as much as you needed. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah, that's Bathsheba's husband, the Hittite, with the sword, and you have taken his wife to be your wife, and you've killed him with the sword of the Ammonites, which I mentioned. Now, therefore, okay, uh oh, wait a minute. When I, I, wait a minute, Rick. I thought this story was that David was forgiven. It is. Praise the Lord for that. Because David does eventually repent of this because he has sinned against God. Ultimately, he knows he's sinned against Bathsheba by, by committing adultery with her and compromising her sexual purity. He sinned against Uriah the Hittite, uh, but ultimately he repents because he realizes that he's sinned against God. And you're like, okay, Rick, that's why when we all sin, that, that, that's, that's why we say I'm kind of like David. But wait a minute. There's a therefore here. And what is the therefore about? Now there'll be earthly re repercussions to David's sin. Was he forgiven? Yes. Praise the Lord. Does that mean that everything just went back to where it was? No. No, it doesn't. Listen to this. Rick, why do we suffer? Sometimes because we sin. Listen to this. Verse 10, which I never hear these men bring up. Verse 10 in 2 Samuel 12. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. He shall lie with your wives in the sight of the, of the son. For what you did secretly, I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the sun. Talking about the sun in the sky. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin, you shall not die. Listen to 14. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utter, utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Oh, suddenly I don't want to be like David anymore. No. See, see, that's the, that's, that's the part. Sometimes we walk around as if suffering is something that none of us deserve. You know, I don't know. I don't know why this, these bad things have happened to me. Well, here's David. He 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 does repent. He does sin, but David has been told by God, "You're going to suffer the rest of your life. Now, in eternity, you're going to live and you're going to be forgiven, and this will be as far as the east is from the west." 
And I don't hold the sin against you, meaning for your redemption. Praise the Lord. But I do hold it against you on earth. And David's life was full of Absalom, his own son, which is what he warned him about, trying to kill him. He, men had to kill one of David's own sons. He had his kids with all these different women. They were at war. They, they were killing each other. The sword never left him. He left him. He was always at war. He didn't get to build the temple. And the baby that Bathsheba bore to him died. And God said, oh, by the way, I killed the baby. So sometimes the answer to why we suffer is because we sin. And, and, and here's another reason. So now let's look at this. What, what, what's, a, what's another reason why we suffer? To warn others. To warn others. To say, look, I'm going to tell you something. You make these kind of decisions in your life that I made, it's going to cause you a lot of trouble. So also we suffer to give someone else a warning to say, don't do the things I did. First Kings. Uh, turn to chapter 2. First Kings chapter 2. Here's David about to die. And he's talking to Solomon, who would be another child that he and Bathsheba bore, but God blessed this child. And, and, you know, there's God's redemption and grace again. Repercussions and grace. Okay? So, so, so now here's David. They bring Solomon into him. What does David say to his son, who should have listened, by the way? Sadly, some of what he's about to be told by his father, he didn't listen, and he suffered some of the same problems that his father suffered. Uh, some of it he listens to, some of it he doesn't. But one of the reasons we so we, we suffer because we're not good people, uh, that, that none of us are too good to suffer. Uh, the other is we suffer because of the re earth repercussions of the sins that we commit. And then the, then the third one is we suffer. Why? God says to warn others. Listen to this. When David's time drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. I'm going to die. Be strong and show yourself a man. That's a good one for men's ministry, isn't it? Be strong and show yourself, show yourself a man. Stop acting like a boy. That's over. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, you, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, and the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me. If your, son plays if your son pays close attention uh, to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Hey, son, come here just a minute. It doesn't have to be your son. It, it, it could be your daughter. It could be your, your friends. It could be someone you're mentoring. Hey, come here. Let me tell you what I know. Follow God's commandments. Follow God's statutes. Walk in his way with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Trust me on this. If you don't, you're going to wish you did. I regret that I didn't, I, I didn't do these things the way God said to do them, and I have suffered greatly because of it. Okay? So that, that isn't always the case of why we suffer, but it, it definitely is some of the reasons we suffer. We're not good people. We, we, we have repercussions of sin, and we've allowed to, uh, we have been allowed to see the repercussions of our sins to warn others not to do the same things or make the mistakes we've made. These are all reasons why we suffer. So what are some other reasons why we suffer? If you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, turn to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and we're going to go to chapter 3. 
2 Timothy chapter 3. One of the other ways that, uh, that we suffer, and this one is one that I don't know that we think about enough, one of the things, the reasons why we suffer is to affirm us, to affirm us, to show that we're on the right track. So we know that we suffer because we're not good people. We know that we suffer sometimes because of earthly repercussions of our sin. We know that we can suffer to warn other people, but sometimes suffering is allowed to show us that we are actually doing exactly what God told us to do. Sometimes that's the case. Look at this. Look at what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So, so here's Paul writing to him saying, preach the word, do this, don't compromise God. And oh, by the way, if you make this decision that you're going to live a godly life, you may not be punished by God, but you will be punished by people who hate God. And when you're persecuted, you look around and say, hey, I must be doing the right thing. Sometimes when people come against you and people attack you and people cause you to suffer, if these are the people that are doing it, it's only because of your commitment to God. I would say this, if you've never uh, had any persecution come against you, and this is the way I always read this verse, it may mean that you don't live a godly life. Because we just heard in 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul write to Timothy and say to him, all who choose to live a godly life will be persecuted. Now take your Bible and the same question. Uh, sometimes we suffer to affirm that we're doing exactly what God told us to do, and that's going to be in Acts chapter 4. Now if you've never been through our entire study of the book of Acts, it is available by going to BurgessMinistries.com and clicking on Listen, and you'll see our study of the book of Acts, which includes what I'm about to talk about. You can also find it on our Rick and Bubba YouTube channel by clicking on Playlist. So now let's go to chapter 4. Now in chapter 4, we know this is post-Pentecost. We know that Peter and, and John, two men who used to run from Jesus when persecution came, uh, they, that when, he, when, when they saw that Jesus wanted to go into the, the hands of those who were going to punish them, they didn't want any part of that. But then after Pentecost, they went from not wanting to be recognized with Jesus that everyone recognized that they'd been with Jesus. Now they're emboldened with the Holy Spirit. And listen to what they said about the suffering that was coming to them. So in 18, they're in trouble because they, they've acknowledged that Christ is the only name in which anybody can be saved. They're acknowledging that Christ healed this, this man that everybody's upset about, that, that, you know, that asked them for silver or gold, and they're acknowledging we're with Jesus, we're with Jesus, we're with Jesus, and oh, by the way, there's no other name on heaven and earth that anyone can be redeemed other than the name of Jesus. This has caused them a lot of trouble. They're different people now. So in 18, it says, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you, then, then God, you must judge. But we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them and let them go, finding no way to punish them then. Now, when they were released, look at verse 23. They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together and said, Sovereign Lord, uh, who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, 
said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed, meaning we know now that the world's going to come against us. It says, For truly in this city, now in verse 27, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon these threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. You know what they're saying? We know now because we are so committed to you, this means that trouble is coming our way. And we don't pray for you to take away the threats. And we don't pray that you take away the persecution. We pray that you give us the boldness that we never turn from you no matter what comes. And what happened to these men and women of the early church? They were persecuted and they were tortured and they suffered greatly. And most all of them were martyred. So really their suffering was a sign of what? That they were bold for the faith. So they should expect suffering. So why do we suffer? Number one, because we're not good people. Number two, because of our sin. Uh, another reason we might suffer is to warn others. You know what? And then another reason we might suffer is to simply to affirm that we are that committed to Jesus Christ. It brings pain and suffering. So what's another reason? So what's another reason we suffer? And we'll unpack this a lot because we're going to start a new study in First and Second Peter coming up on September the 2nd, but I'm going to hit a few things in Peter today, and then we'll unpack them more when that starts. Today, I'm just going to kind of graze through it uh, to, to show you. I'm going to scan through it. I'm sorry. If I'm going to graze, we'd stay there a while. Uh, this is another reason. So, Rick, why do we suffer? Does God ever answer the question why we suffer? Yes. Uh, here's another one, to test the genuineness of our faith. To test the genuineness of our faith. First uh, Peter 1, 6 and 7. Write that down. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what does God say with his Holy Spirit through, through Peter uh, when he's writing this letter, or he's actually dictating this letter, and a, a, a partner of his is writing it. But, but what, what is he saying? God, why, why, why are we going to suffer? I'll tell you why I'm going to test the, the genuineness of your faith. I'm going to test to see if your faith is real. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary. So God sometimes looks down and says, I think this suffering that I'm about to allow to happen to you, I believe that, that I want you to rejoice because what this means is now you're about to glorify me and your faith is going to is past the test, but I'm going to allow you to suffer and I'm going to say it's going to be for a little while and I'm going to say that it's necessary for, for everyone to see that the faith you have in me is real. It's going to draw people to me because they're going to see you, uh, the way you're going to respond to this suffering, and we're going to see if you pass the test. So God, why am I suffering? It could be to test the genuineness of your faith. It may be necessary. See, see, God does answer the question, why am I suffering? Many times, all throughout Scripture. I don't know which category you're in, but what you can never say is the answers aren't there. You know, sometimes we just don't know why. That's not true. So what's another reason that we may suffer? Well, we know 
We suffer sometimes because we're not good people. None of us are good compared to God. We suffer because of repercussions on earth from our sin. We suffer so we can warn others that they should not do the things that we've done. We also uh, suffer because it affirms that we're actually doing what God told us to do because we see the persecution of people who come against God. And then we just did another one to test the genuineness of your faith. So what are more? Rick, why do we suffer? Well, God says to produce steadfastness, endurance, and character. That's another reason why we suffer. If you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, let's go to the book of James. Let's go to the book of James. We must stop acting like that we don't understand what's going on uh, when, when suffering comes our way. Uh, if we don't know what's going on, it's because we've not taken the time to seek God for the answers that he has not withheld from us. These are answers that he has provided, and he's provided uh, in, in, in his word of God for, for, for many, many things. Uh, year. So go to the book of James, and we go to the book of James. I want you to look at James uh, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy. For you know, I love how he says this, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So, so wait a minute, Rick. The Bible says that I suffer to produce steadfastness. Yes, to galvanize you. Uh, to, you know, because I have found. You know, my, my wife talks about this in her book. Which, if you really want to answer the question, if you want to get deep all throughout Scripture, more time than we have today, if you'd like to spend an entire Bible study on why we suffer. Uh, get get my wife's book. She studied these things for five years. A lot of the things I'm showing you right now are things that God showed her in the five years that she went out to to say, God, why do we suffer? Show me show me in your word. Uh, reveal to me what you're willing to about this. And you know what she discovered? God's never been silent on this. It's called Bronner, A Journey to Understand. It's available on audio or it's available anywhere books are sold. And, and you could take even a deeper dive on this. But here's here's what we know. It is to produce steadfastness Meaning, this is, it's almost like when you, when you go out and you say, I'm trying to get to where I have some more endurance. I want to get out and work my body. I want to physically put myself through some things because when I physically put myself through things, it produces you know, an endurance, a steadfastness. I can stay the course. When I went out, you know, the reason why a lot of us, when you lay around, don't do anything, and we're lazy and we're inactive, that's why we're told not to be that way. Because you know what? God can call you to do something. You ain't got the energy to do it. Or you don't have the health to do it. And so our spiritual steadfastness and endurance is the same thing. You know how we work out spiritually? Through suffering. Through suffering. Uh, and, and various trials, which here is, once again, we, we had Peter say rejoice. We have James saying count it joy. Undoubtedly, some suffering that we're put through is there to make, it, make, make us better as far as the kingdom of God, more effective for the kingdom of God. You know, not to be like a, a reed that blows back and forth in the wind, not to be like children that bounce to and fro. No, we're steadfast in the faith. We're steadfast in our commitment to Christ. You know what? Because we were willing to suffer for him and with him if necessary. So let's look uh, at endurance and character. Go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We also did a Bible study on the book of Romans. You can find that. Uh, by going to the playlist here at rickandbubba.com on the YouTube channel or 
at BurgessMinistries.com under listen. We walked through the entire book of Romans, and we talked about this. So in Romans chapter 5, uh, verses 3 uh, through 5, listen to this. More than that, we rejoice. There it is again. So we're supposed to rejoice, count it joy. Look what Paul says in Romans. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, before that, he says that we have obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So here's Paul that just said rejoice in the grace that we've been shown, but you know what else we should rejoice in? Our suffering. What? So here it is again. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Here comes the answer again. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and the hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So is he saying that God's abandoned us in this suffering? No. God's allowed it, and I don't even know if you're ready to go this far with a sovereign God. Many times God's causing it for our good. Have you ever thought that the suffering you're going through right now is for your own good? That, that this is going to make you better in your relationship? My wife says it perfect. She said, you got two choices when you go into suffering. You can even turn and reject God, or you can run to God, embrace the suffering, and embrace Him and be completely transformed by it. I, I, I like the latter. And I'm going to tell you, my suffering has set me free. You know what it has? It, 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 it has set me free. I, you, do you think, you think that I think that some of the things people think is a big deal is really a big deal? No. Do you think I don't know that God's always with me? Yeah, you know why? He's shown me over and over again. I couldn't, be, I couldn't still be standing if I didn't have God. No way. Uh, he, he, he's put much more on me than I could ever handle, but you know what? It wasn't more than he could handle. I'm more dependent on him than I've ever been. When you get to the point that you, you need to depend on God to breathe, oh, it's for your own good. You know, there was a time when I, I had the sin of, of self-reliance and self-pity. I don't have either one anymore because God loved me enough to break me down, which we'll get to. So this produces, suffering produces suffering. I mean, sorry, I'm sorry, suffering produces uh, endurance, and endurance produces character. Character. So we suffer to produce some character in us. That, that, that we, we've actually shown that we have a, a, a Christ-like character. We're actually legit. We just don't claim uh, to have a relationship with him. We actually can show it now in our suffering. And then, of course, when you have that endurance and you have that character, then what does that produce? Hope. What do you mean by that? Oh, I got news for you. When you go through a lot of suffering, you look around and say, where can I find hope? Well, my hope is found only in him. Because then God can look back and go, you know, thanks to what I did, even earthly death is not something that is the end. I've, I've defeated death. I've defeated sin. John 16, 33. And this you, you, you know, I say this so that you'll have peace. In this world, you'll face tribulation, trials and tribulations, suffering, but always take heart, always have joy in your heart because I've overcome the world. You know, if you can get to the point where you can just realize in your suffering, if you can start asking the question when you get into these places, not why, 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 poor, poor, pitiful me, if you can get to the point where you can shift and go, God, what are you teaching? What, 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 is this about endurance? Is this about character? Is, is this you reminding me that my hope is only in you? Are, you? are you breaking away my love of this place and these things that I cling to? Are you making me more heaven-focused? Yes. 
So we know that we suffer because we're not good people. We know that we suffer sometimes because of the earthly repercussions of sin. We know that we're allowed to suffer to warn others. We know that we suffer sometimes to affirm, uh, for God to affirm us. We also know that we are allowed to suffer sometimes to test the genuineness of our faith. And we also know that we suffer to produce steadfastness, endurance, character. These are all, by the way, answers to the question why. Are you writing these down? I hope so. Because I don't want, I'm really, I'm really put out with people who especially claim to be followers of Christ that always walk around acting like God never answers the question, why do we suffer? He has answered it many times. And you're hearing them from the Bible, not from Rick. You, you shouldn't, I mean, don't care at all about what I think about it. But you might want to know what the Bible says about it. That's really important. So what else? I just touched on it, and I'm going to drive it home. God also allows us to suffer to make us heaven-focused. To, to, why, you know, I, I tell you, I meet people all the time, and I'm just convinced that some of y'all think, and I used to be this way, so I understand it, that some of y'all really believe that heaven is here on earth. You can't imagine a time without, without uh, filling the blank. You just think, you know, you know what we said in uh, Unsaved Christian, you know, if heaven ain't a lot like whatever, you don't want to go. Well, that's because you're not heaven-focused, and sometimes the Lord will show you how bad this fallen crate fallen creation is and how depraved people really are. So you start not wanting to be here anymore. So look at Romans chapter 8. Some people say possibly the greatest chapter in the Bible. Romans chapter 8. Let's go to verse 17 and 18. Listen to what, um, what uh, Paul says in verses 17 and 18. He's talking about that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ Amen. Listen to this. Fellow heirs with Christ, comma, are you ready? Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time in this world are not worth comparing with the glory of that is to be revealed to us, somebody say, amen. After that, he goes on to say, look, creation is longing for this to be stopped. It's fallen. This is not heaven. You know, some of your despair is because you keep trying to make heaven here on earth. You know what your expectations should be from this fallen creation? Not much. Hey, this is not heaven, and it's not always going to be like this. Thank you, Jesus. But do you hear what, what he says? I'll tell you why you suffer. You suffer because Christ suffered. Where do we get off thinking that God did not allow his own son when God said, I'm 100% God, but I'll now be 100% man. And part of being 100% man, I'm going to allow myself, my own son, to suffer. And we think we're exempt from suffering? Jesus wasn't exempt from it, but we should be? Who do we think we are? And he says, I'm going to allow you to suffer so that you'll truly be more Christ-like. You'll become so dependent on Christ because of the example that Christ showed us in his suffering. And you know what will start happening? You'll stop being so, so obsessed with this world and the things of this world, and you'll become more focused on the glory that's going to be revealed to you when I finally refine this place by fire. I consider the sufferings of this present time to be nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. Heaven-focused. Revelation 21. 
all this is going to be resolved. Behold, I make all things new. So sometimes we suffer to make us more heaven-focused and less earthly-focused, trying to break our obsession with this world so we don't die with it. So why do we suffer? Because we're not good people. Why do we suffer? Because of sin. Why do we suffer? To warn others. Why do we suffer? To affirm, uh, for God to affirm us that, that, that we're being persecuted because of our devotion to Him. Why do we suffer? To test our faith. Why do we suffer? To produce steadfastness, endurance, and character. Why do we suffer? To be heaven-focused and not earth-focused. What else? What's another reason that we suffer? To humble us. To humble us. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Uh, one of the many places, by the way, and I know I'm trashing the health, wealth, and prosperity message today. Uh, I'm sorry I'm not doing it. The Bible is. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12. Here's Paul. Paul has been, has been shown uh, the third heaven. He's been shown a vision. Uh, Paul is very well respected. People are starting to say, look at Paul. Man, Paul's really something. There's, God's really with Paul. Paul this, Paul that. So you know what God did to kind of break all that? He humbled him. Through what? Suffering. Paul suffered all the time. So in chapter 7, I mean, sorry, chapter 12, verse 7, we see that Paul says, listen to this, and here's the why. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, and the revelations, he had seen heaven. Paul had been shown heaven, and he was told uh, not to speak of it. And he says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Why? To humble him. A messenger from Satan? Yes. You know, we know in the story of Job, we'll get this before we leave today, that God allowed Satan to touch Job in ways that God allowed. God set the boundaries. You can make him really sick. You can kill his children. So here's another situation where God is, is allowing a messenger of Satan, not Satan himself, one of the demons, to harass Paul, it sounds like physically, in some way, shape, or form, some kind of misery that he's in. And he says that I pleaded with the Lord about this, look at 8, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Well, so God's saying I actually become more powerful when you become weaker. And sometimes I allow you to suffer so you'll be weaker and I'll be stronger. Therefore, Paul says, because he gets it, I guess he would have never been... Uh, very good at the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. I guess the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel would have had Paul quite disheartened because Paul would have said, I guess I don't have much faith. Bad stuff happens to me all the time. I guess Paul didn't have enough faith. I guess he didn't claim it. He didn't name it. But listen to what he said. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, Paul is actually answering why he's suffering, because God's told him. 
God never answers these kind of questions, Rick. Yeah, he does. He, he just did. You, you just got you, you just got to pursue God. God's telling Paul exactly why he's not removing this thorn in his flesh, whatever it is. He's telling Paul why he has insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Calamity is a big word, by the way. And if you know everything that Paul went through, he certainly faced calamity quite a bit. But you know what he said? I'm good with it. I know why God's doing it to me. I know why God's allowing me to do this, to humble me. I know when I'm humbled and when I know I, know I can be prideful, so God wants me to have the right relationship with him, so he loves me enough that he humbles me through calamities, persecutions, insults, and hardships. So, so God, why, why am I suffering? Maybe to humble you. It certainly humbled me. My wife talked about that so vividly. She said, there's nothing more humbling than to have your very child die an earthly death and you can't bring them back. Can't do it. And we thought that we were so strong, we can control so many things. We were tough. Wasn't nothing we could do about that. And we were humbled. And we were in awe of God. So why do we suffer? Because we're not good people. Romans chapter 3. Because of sin, 2 Samuel chapter 12. To warn others, 1 Kings 2, 1 through 3. To affirm us, 2 Timothy 3, 12. Acts chapter 4. To test our faith, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, to produce steadfastness and endurance and character. James 1, 2 and 3, Romans 5, 3 through 5, to make us heaven-focused. Romans 8, 17 and 18, to humble us. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Why else do we suffer? To destroy the sin in our life. 1 Peter Again, we'll get in really deep on some of this when we get into our study of First and Second Peter, which will start on September the 2nd. So this is also to what? Remove the sin in our life, to, to make us more holy and less sinful. If you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, let's go to First Peter. In First Peter, we will turn to um, chapter 4. Chapter 4. Uh, let's go to uh, verse 1 and 2. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. That's pretty straightforward. Sometimes suffering removes sin from your life. Because when you suffer, you, you, you live the rest of your time because you become so dependent on God, and we'll finish it with Job says this very thing at the end of his suffering. Peter says, what happens if, if, if God refines you through suffering and you become in a relationship because there's nothing that, that gets you more intimate with your relationship with God quite like suffering. Nothing, you know, people say, well, what about his blessings? Man, I, I'm so thankful for his blessings, and I love him so much for his grace. But there's nothing that's really got me closer to him like suffering. 
I, I mean, I'm just being honest. I wish it wasn't that way. But as a fallen man, that's just what works. And God knows that. You know why I don't have as much sin in my life as I have, have had now? Is it all gone? No. There's a sanctification process going on, and God's continuing to refine me. And you know, after we suffered, uh, we had suffering before uh, Bronner, our youngest son, died an earthly death, and we've had suffering since. But we sure do understand it more. We understand it more now than we ever did before. And you know what? I don't really find the flesh having as much victory over me before my suffering, I mean, after my suffering, as it did before. You know why? Because I've got a new perspective on what's important and what's not. And gratifying the flesh does not intrigue me as much as gratifying the Spirit. And suffering was used by God to accomplish that and continue to accomplish it. So one of the reasons that we suffer is to stop being held so captive by our human passions and it gets us more focused on the will of God. So Rick, why do we suffer? Romans chapter 3, 10 through 12 says, because we're not good people. 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12 says, sometimes we suffer as repercussions of sin. Sometimes we suffer in 1 Kings 2, 1 through 3 to warn others. Sometimes we suffer, 2 Timothy 3, 12, Acts 4, uh, to affirm that we truly are doing exactly what God told us to do because it brings persecution. Sometimes we suffer to test the genuineness of our faith, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Sometimes we suffer to produce steadfastness, endurance, and character, James chapter 1, 2 and 3, Romans 5, 3 through 5. Sometimes we suffer to make us more heaven-focused, Romans 8, 17 and 18. Sometimes we suffer to humble us so we will be humbled, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Sometimes we suffer to destroy the sin in our life. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2. So what's the final thing that we have today? And there's others. I've just covered the highlights. The, hey, this right here, this Bible, holding up the Bible for those you who can't see it. It's not silent on this question. Why do we suffer? It's not silent on it at all. The story of Job is always very intriguing to us, isn't it? When you think about suffering, sometimes it's the first one you, you, you think of. So another reason that we're allowed to suffer, according to the book of Job in chapter 42, is to get us so close to God that we finally see how holy he really is and how wretched we still are. And we, when we encounter him through suffering, we're just like, I, I can't believe that I've sinned against you. We understand how wonderful his grace really is. I, I can remember after the suffering and, and going through the, the trial and tribulation of, of burying a two-and-a-half-year-old, I remember after that being so intimate with God and hearing a choir sing, Lord, you are holy and they begin to do the resume of God, just like Job has just heard the resume of God in, in chapter 38, 39, 40, and 41. And now here he is in 42, and he's heard the resume of God. And I remember looking at Sherry, and I said to her, I cannot believe I've ever sinned against him. He is holy, and I am wretched even on my best day. 
Job was called blameless and upright at the beginning of the story compared to other men and compared to the world. But he goes through this suffering, and in Job chapter 42, he answers the Lord after the Lord's resume, and he says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will, I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear before his suffering. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes see you. I'd heard of you. I, I kind of knew you. But this resume that you've just given me through my suffering, and I, and I did finally ask you, why am I going through this? And your resume has answered me. That's what Job just said. Listen to what he said. He said, I will question you, and you make it known to me. I did question you, and you came and said, who are you to question me? Let me tell you who I am. And by the time he's done, Job says, well, after I got your full resume through my suffering, I'd heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. This is Job 42, 1 through 6. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So a man that at the beginning of this historical documentation of Job's life, a man that at the beginning of this documentation was called blameless and upright through his suffering became so intimate and saw God so clearly because of the way suffering works that he understood that compared to God, he was actually quite wretched. And he repented of his sin and ashes and dust and for us, on the other side of the new covenant, maybe that grace means more to us now. Because suffering sometimes reveals God in such a clear, I'm talking about the clearest HD picture you ever saw of God himself, that we despise ourselves. And we realize how doomed we really are without his grace. That's why we suffer. The Bible has never been silent on this question that so many people, for some reason, keep asking as if they don't know. I hope that today was helpful. It always is for me to walk back through these answers throughout Scripture. So my challenge to you, and, and of course I will hear it for myself, is may we never say, sometimes we don't know why. Why does God allow us to suffer? I, you know, I don't know. I, we just never really know. No, no, we do know. We do know. That, that's what's so wonderful. The great I am, when you come to him and say, why do we suffer? He actually answers. He actually has multiple answers. And at different times of our lives, these different answers 
apply to us at different times. But the answers are there. We just have to seek them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time and thank you for what you revealed to us so clearly in, in Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for that. I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified by this time together and, and forgive us of our sins of self-pity uh, and, and also the sins of our arrogance of thinking that somehow we're so wonderful. How dare you allow us to suffer? Lord, I'm thankful you've been so gracious that those of us that have been redeemed through your Son, Jesus Christ, will not get what we deserve. And, and it's your grace that's amazing. It, it's your grace that is perplexing, certainly not our suffering. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us. If I can help you in any way, Rick at rickandbubba.com. Hey, this is Rick, and that concludes this week's Bible study. Thank you so much for being with us. If you'd like to go back and hear other Bible studies or maybe some that you've missed even in this series, you can find them by clicking the media button at burgessministries.com.